You're listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. Bang! Bang! Man, we feel good about uh, I did. Today's. I did bang in honor of, of it's, it's November. It is November. Turkeys. Turkeys. Shooting turkey. Dead Thanksgiving. turkeys. Thanksgiving. Dead vegan, turkeys on your table. If you're a vegan, you can have some broccoli. Do they make soy turkey? Ooh. I don't know. Somebody Google that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't want any of that. Yeah, that would be the worst thing ever. Uh, but anyway, we're excited to be with you. Uh, thanks for listening. And today we're going to talk about... Uh, the four phases that are essential uh, for effective vision. You know, Perry, for anyone in leadership to be effective, they must have and be able to cast a compelling vision and ask others to get involved in making it come to life. So today we're going to talk about those four phases that are essential for effective vision. So let's just jump right in, Perry. What is the first phase? Yeah, there are four phases of vision, and the first phase is it should happen. It should happen. Um, I've got some notes here, too, um, and I wrote this down. Vision begins with a person looking at a situation and actually believing in their hearts that someone should do something about it. Um, it gets to the point where they're almost bothered by it. Uh, a biblical example of this would be Nehemiah. Um, if you're a visionary leader, that's probably one of your favorite books in the Bible, if you're a Bible person. Um, if Nehemiah, the whole book starts out with a problem. Nehemiah asked his brothers, hey, how's it going in Jerusalem? And they said, hey, the walls are damaged and it's a problem. And it bothered Nehemiah that it got to the point where I'm sure, and the Bible doesn't say this, but it infers this, that Nehemiah's probably thinking someone should probably go do something about that. It should not be that way. Um, some more modern examples are, I remember... Um, when we had Christine Kane here from the A21 campaign, and she tells the story, if you've ever heard um, Chris speak, she talks about walking through the airport and seeing the pictures of girls that were lost and um, finding out that those girls were most likely caught up in the sex slave trade, and her thinking, somebody should do something about that. The the whole vision, A21, um, exists, and it's an unbelievable organization that rescues people from human trafficking. But it, it all started because a woman said it, it should happen. Um, our church started with a conversation. Um, a young lady asked me one time after we did a youth event. I used to be a youth pastor. And on a Wednesday night, uh, she came up and asked me, um, hey, Pierre, I got a question. Why can't church be fun? She said, Wednesday nights are so much fun. Um, I love bringing my friends to Wednesday nights. Uh, I feel like everything engages why can't Sundays be like Wednesdays? And that was a part of a process that started in me where I was like, you know what? Church should be exciting. Church should be relevant. Church should... And I got this vision in my heart and in my mind of, you know what? I don't think church should be the most boring, irrelevant, lifeless hour of a person's week. I think if the tomb is empty, that our church services and our attitudes should reflect it and so in my heart, um, during that time period, God started developing the it should happen. And so any leader um, that's going to do an effective job leading, I believe it's got to come from a conviction somewhere down deep in their heart that it's not about the money, it's not about the recognition, it's about I see a problem, someone should do something about it, and maybe God's calling me to do something about it, and I'm going to 
I'm going to do whatever it takes to make that happen. Um, one thing I'd ask about uh, in regards to, so let's say you're a leader and you're sensing this, how can you tell if this is just something that is something that bothers you because it should just bother all of us and something that maybe God's trying to tell you, no, this is more than it just should bother you. This is something I want you to internalize and it's going to continue to bother you. Um, until you do something about it. It's a great question, Shane. Um, who is it? Uh, the, the author of E-Myth. I can't think of his name Michael right now. Michael Gerber. Michael Gerber, um, the baby food guy. That was awesome. Michael Gerber, he talks about it. I, I'm going to probably mess this word up, the entrepreneurial seizure. That's right. Is that what it is? That's what it is. Golly, boom, I'm hooked on phonics. Anyway, he talks about how somebody, some people go into business um, and they just do it. Um, and that, that's why there's four phases of this vision, because when you see that something should happen, um, that's not an indication that you need to dive into it immediately. Yep. It's just so many times when you see something that should happen, it's, it's um, if you're a Christian leader, it really is the Lord speaking to your heart, preparing you. Um, like, for example, um, somebody might be listening to this podcast and they go, okay, well, somebody should plant a church. I'm going to go plant a church. Well, uh, maybe. Um, I think church planting should happen. It should be done. But that's why um, there's four phases of yeah. this of this vision. Yep. That's a great segue, uh, and I'm, I'm glad we took a second to talk about that. So let's talk about phase two. What is phase two? Phase, phase two is it could happen. So phase one is it should happen. Phase two is it could happen. And this is where um, a leader begins to develop ideas, thoughts, and plans, and begins to have conversations with people to see whether or not um, they're crazy. I remember going through this phase of it, it could happen, where I had an idea for a church um, like, like we're doing at New Spring Church, but I didn't know if it could happen or not, because I, I, I never had seen that before. And so I began. I started having some conversations with some people that were really close to me, and started saying, "Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this?" I mean, godly people who love Jesus who would tell me the truth. Um, it's not like the person that somebody told them they could sing all in their life, and then they made it to American Idol, and America laughed at them. Um, and these people were telling me, "Here, I think that I think that could happen. I think that could happen." And then I discovered two books um, right about the same time. Uh, the first book was Purpose Driven Church by Rick Warren. Most people don't know he wrote Purpose Driven Church. They're more familiar with Purpose Driven Life. But Purpose Driven Church was a 399-page book. Um, at the time, I think it's the longest. It might be the longest book I've ever read. <laughs> uh, and then Bill Hybels and his wife Lynn Hybels wrote a book called Rediscovering Church. And I read books by these guys, and, you know, I'm not sure that they agree on every issue of, of doctrine, but they were both doing something that I thought, oh my gosh, it could happen because here are two guys doing it. I'd never seen it done, but you know, this is way before the internet got popular, um, but I began to discover, oh my gosh, Bill Hobbles has done this, and Rick Warren has done this. And so one of the things I started doing when I started saying it could happen is I started looking at I started looking for those examples of people that had gone before me and had actually done what I wanted to do. I didn't look for people who had theories because people who have theories have usually nothing more than that a theory. 
You don't have a conviction until you're willing to put your theory to a test by actually taking a step of action. And so that's what I did. Um, I, I started going, man, not only should it happen, but I started believing in my heart that it could happen. Is there, uh, you mentioned uh, when this was going on for you, you talked to people you trusted around you that you could actually count on to be honest with you. And then you look to these two books, Bill Hybels uh, and uh, and Rick Warren. Is there, t- in today's world, for the leader out there that this is maybe twisting in their mind or spirit, and they've, they've said, well, maybe this is bothering me. Is this supposed to be? How, how would you instruct people to measure it today? Is there any specific person, book, is those same books? Like, where should they go next if they're really trying to measure whether or not it's them that should um, make it happen? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think there's a couple things that a, a leader has to do. First of all, they do have to have those uh, critical conversations, what I call the crucial conversations. I know people, um, and I've done this in, in my life, where I know what I should or should not do, but there are certain people that I'm not in my life, I'm not going to ask them. And the reason I'm not going to ask them is because I know they love Jesus and they love me and they're really wise. And I know that they're going to advise me to do something opposite. So when you know that, I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a dangerous place to be. When you start avoiding crucial conversations because you want to do something more than you've been called to do something, mm-hmm. that's a dangerous, dangerous place to be. The other thing I, I do is I try to study people who I've seen success be successful um, in life. And they've actually, once again, um, and we've talked about this on this podcast before, Christians are the only people dumb enough to buy books written by people that have never done what they wrote the book about. Uh, for example, I, my wife's a doctor, so if I wrote a book on surgery, there's not a surgeon in America that would buy that book. But there are people that have written books on church planting that have never planted a church. There are people that have written books on how to lead a business that have never led a business. So I do make it a point to study. Now, I know people would push back and go, you can learn from them. Well, yeah, you can learn from them, um, but I don't think we should learn from them. I I think there's some great examples out there like Patrick Lencioni, um, Jim Collins, uh, you know Andy Stanley, those two books by Rick Warren and Bill Hobbles are still, in my mind, gold as far as leadership goes. That's really great. Well, let's move on to phase three. What is phase three? So phase three is it will happen. It will happen. So you go from it could or it should happen, number one, to it could happen, phase two, to phase number three, it will happen. Um, and this is this is the this is the jumping off a cliff moment. Um, and I say this because I was in a church parking lot one night having a conversation with uh, a, a gentleman by the name of Jason Wilson. He's on our leadership team. And I was talking to him about church and church planting and should we start the church or should we do the church. And I remember him, I remember telling him, I remember him saying, Jason, I feel like we've got a great group of people together. I feel like we've got some really good plans. We've talked about some good ideas, but I feel like we're all on the edge of a cliff and we're just waiting for something to happen. And I don't know what we're waiting for. And I never will forget him looking at me and that he said, we're all waiting on you to jump because as soon as you jump, we're jumping with you. And I didn't sleep for like two or three nights because I'm like, oh my gosh, I've, I believe it should happen. Um, I believe it could happen. Um, but now I've got to take a step of faith 
and give it a shot and see, hey, I, I got to live under the conviction it will happen. Now, this is what I want to speak to because it's so funny. People ask me all the time, uh, when you started the church, what was your backup plan? What, what, would you, what were you going to fall back on? And I always tell people, if you have a backup plan, you're not fully committed to what God's called you to do. Yeah. Um, backup plans are for people that don't have faith. Um, backup plans are for people who will not take God at his word. Backup plans are for people who try to play it safe rather than follow the one who wound up at a place called Golgotha, which is the place of the skull. And I don't know how in the world we got the place of the skull is going to lead us to safety and predictable and fun, you know, always awesome environments. And so I just realized, you know what, I've got to go make this happen. A friend of mine shared with me a quote um, by Walter Isaacson. He's the author of the biography, St- Steve Jobs. And he says this, he said, vision without execution is hallucination. Mm-hmm. Vision without execution is hallucination. Um, anybody can have a vision, but sooner or later, it comes down to the point of, you know what, I'm, I'm jumping off this cliff, and we're going to give it a shot. And if it works, it works. But it's, I'm not going to live the rest of my life wondering what if. For you, um, so Jason mentioned, or he said that you were just waiting on you, and you said for the next two or three nights you didn't sleep, worrying, you know, thinking about it. Uh, what could you tell the leaders that are listening that may be in that same kind of window of time? They believe it, it could happen. Uh, they know that there's some people, you know, looking for them to take the first step. What could you do or say to encourage the listener out there? What put you over the edge? What made you say, you know what, I'm just going to have to have that faith and do it? Yeah, well, first of all, I would say that never goes away. I'm in the middle of that right now. I'm in the middle of a vision where I've looked at something and said, well, you know, it, it should happen. Okay, it could happen okay, it will happen. Like it, it's a phase I think you continually go through if you're going to grow. Mm-hmm. But if you're one of those people that you're stuck between phase two and phase three, um, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what most people wait on is 100% confirmation from God. And you're not going to get it. Like you're not going to get the angel in your closet. Um, but you you might if you drink, drink enough wine. You uh, but you, you're not going to get... Um, uh, you know, the Bible verse that highlights itself in your Bible, um, those things. And listen, yeah, they're probably not going to happen. Leaders have to make decisions with about 55% of the information. Um, and if God told you everything that was going to happen in your life over the next three years, it wouldn't be a step of faith. Um, anytime, I've just, one, of the, one of the things we say around here at New Spring all the time is following Jesus is about taking your next step. And so your next step as a leader, if it's just to trust God at his word and do what he says, um, that's what you're going to have to do. And then do it again, and then do it again, and then do it again. Yep. I mean, Never that's, ends. no, that's, you've got to get to that point where you're like, you know what, we're going to do this. I'm, it will happen. That's good. Uh, all right. Well, that really takes us to the final phase. Tell us about phase four. Phase four um, is the phase where we say, come help me make it happen. So we've gone through four phases. We've gone through phase one, it should happen. Phase two, it could happen. Phase three, it will happen. Phase four is come help me make it happen. Um, This is where the leader actually asks other people um, to come on board. They're able to articulate the problem they're trying to solve, and they paint compelling pictures as to why people or groups of people need to come along 
um, and dive all in. So that's where that's phase four is, hey, um, this is my plan. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing. And I want you to, to fully buy into this thing and help us do it with everything you've got. So what's the, what's the best way for someone to ask people to get involved? So here's, here's the thing, and I, I kind of learned this. Um, I wish I could say I was this smart. As I look back, it's just the way it happened, and I didn't mean to do it. Um, it just happened that God's hand of protection was on me. Um, the, the phases of vision, I feel like, are pretty laid out. Like, you can't go from it should happen to come help me make it happen. Yep. Because if you do that, you're going to skip it. You're gonna you're gonna skip it could happen. Whereas where you actually do the research, where you actually read, where you actually lay a strong foundation, you skip phase three where you're gonna do this. Like that's the conviction phase. I'm going to do this if I'm the only person in the world that does it and I lose my life doing it, I'm gonna do it. So if you skip those two phases and you go, it should happen, come help me make it happen then what you'll have is a bunch of idealists and dreamers who aren't willing to pay the price. Can I stop you right there? Because I know you and I talk to a lot of church planners, a lot of people starting new things, and I feel like that's a common thing we see, that they go from one to four. Yeah. Um, so what would, you said it pretty strongly right there, but, but just let's give a word of caution to the leaders that are listening, how important it is phase two and phase three not be left out. Yes. So... I meet some guys, and I don't question their passion, but they'll go to a conference, and they'll walk away from that conference going, well, that's what we need to do. We, we, need, we need to go start a church. And it's a bunch of guys who really do love Jesus, um, but who just want to start a church. They have no idea about um, bylaws, 501c3, health care, bank accounts, um, and people go, well, the church isn't a business. Well, Try to pay somebody and them not claim it on their taxes and watch how quick the government gets involved in your church. I mean, it's if you have a checking account, you have a business. Um, but so many guys will jump in. And, and so looking back, what we did when we started our church is we did all the research in that phase. Uh, when I say we, me, um, I did all the research. Like I was like, well, this is what it's going to take to get a 501c3 and this is how we set this up, and this is how we set that up. So whenever I, whenever I got to the point where I was telling people, come help me make it happen, I had way more answers than I did questions. So when people would say, well, what are we going to do about this? Well, this is where we're going to meet. Mm-hmm. Well, what time's our service going to be? We're going to do one service at 10 o'clock. Well, what, what are we going to do about a parking? We're going to ask everybody to park. I mean, we, we had answers because we'd gone through these phases. So when you're asking somebody to come help me make it happen, especially don't miss this, when you're asking people to contribute um, financially, but you can't answer the basic questions, that motivates no one to give. It motivates no one to volunteer. Yeah, I mean, you, you've got to. This is an exercise. Here's the other thing, Shane. This is hard work. Yeah. This is hard work. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, I read this the other day, he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The workers, the people willing to, to put in the effort behind the scenes to make it happen. And so when you go from, when you have the it should happen, it's, it's all, even if it could happen and it will happen, doesn't, I'm not putting a time period on there. I'm just saying if you get to come help me make it happen, 
but you ha- haven't done the work in phase two or phase three, you're going to have way more questions than you do answers. You're not building confidence in the people you're asking because you don't have any answers. Oh, we'll just figure it out when we get there. Yeah, we'll just figure it out when we get there is code for I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of that, uh, obviously that would be a mistake that a leader could make. What are some other potential uh, crucial mistakes a leader can make uh, during this phase of asking people to come make it, help them make it happen? Well, what can what can happen? There, there's a there's a couple things I think you can do when you're saying come help me make it happen. The first thing is um, anytime you start something new, this is a business, a ministry, a church. When you're telling people come help me make it happen. You're always going to have a certain group of people that buy into about 60% of the vision, um, and they're going to want to change the other 40%. Um, and you're going to think, oh, my gosh, you know, they've got the, they've got the deep pockets that are going to support this, or they've got you know, blank, or they've got influence, or they've got you know, resources, and so I'm going to have to listen to them. But if God puts a vision on your heart, um, I would just tell you, Always listen. Always be open for feedback. I mean, there are people that have great ideas, but when it comes to compromising the vision, and that is going to be a temptation when you're asking people to come on board. Um, that's that's one of the problems, I think. I was reading the other day uh, when, when Moses went to Pharaoh, and he was like, let my people go. And Pharaoh was like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. And then a little bit in the process, Pharaoh said, well, um, I'll let just the men go, but the women and children and the animals have to stay back. And Moses is like, no, we're not doing that. And then Pharaoh, a few plagues later, goes, all right, you can take the men, women, and children, but leave the animals. And Moses is like, how are we supposed to sacrifice something, right? So Pharaoh kept trying to get Moses to compromise. Moses would not compromise, had to wait on God's time. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be Moses and have to wait through those ten plagues? Like you knew, you knew you had to wait and wait and wait and wait. But it's just proof that God works best in his time, not ours. And Moses never compromised the vision. And because of that, he got to see things, God do things that none of us have ever seen him do. So compromise is one thing. The second thing, um, danger, is when you say, come help me make it happen, is there will be some people that come on board in the beginning and they're really excited and they'll fizzle out and leave. Um, some of them leave because, that honestly, the, you know, the Lord tells them to go to other places. Some people leave because they get mad at you. Some people will leave because it grows and you can't spend as much time with them anymore. And so the, the, that's the, you know, you feel like, oh, my gosh, I wasted my time asking that person to come help me make it happen. But And I've had to learn this the hard way. But I just want you to know that anybody in your church or your business or your organization that at any point in the past has helped you, either um, financially, um, in a volunteer capacity, in any way possible, any time they have helped you move the ball forward, you did not waste time in them. You invested time in them, and you need to be thankful for it. And I know I can say it right now, um, but it, you know, if I find out somebody walked away that's been with us for a long time, I still just oh, God, what I do? I could have done this better. But you didn't waste time. You invested time, and that's a great thing. That's really good. Well, you've said this uh, before, but I just want to reiterate, you're saying that you know the four phases we've covered, they have to go in this order. Each is absolutely necessary. So with that as a background, uh, why don't you just offer up the listeners 
and leaders, some final thoughts on the importance of the four phases, the order, and anything else you want to add before we close down today's podcast? Absolutely. Um, Once again, let me review the four phases. It should happen. It could happen. It will happen. Come help me make it happen. Um, I think those four phases are great, great discussions. Anytime, even if an existing leadership team um, is out there and you're about to execute on a decision or change something in your church, it's good to go through this phase. It should happen. It could happen is where you get all the answers. It will happen is when you make the decision, come help me make it happen. That's when you start casting your vision to staff and volunteers because as we've learned around here, I mean, when we make a change, if our staff and volunteers don't understand, then nobody else in our church understands. So these four phases aren't just for church planters. They're for leaders at any phase in their ministry that's getting ready to make a big decision. Anything new, any kind of new vision, anything you want to see implemented, um, you're right. If we don't get the other people involved and bought in uh, and we don't know the answers, uh, it's going to be hard to do that. Absolutely it is. Well, hey, thanks for listening to this month's uh, podcast, and we'll see you guys next time.